Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The House That Was Not Bart Fleming took his bride out to his ranch on the plains when she was but 17 years old, and the two set up housekeeping in 320 acres of corn and rye. Off toward the west there was an unbroken sea of tossing corn at that time of the year when the bride came out, and as her sewing window was on the side of the house which faced the sunset, she passed a good part of each day looking into the great rustling mass, breathing in its succulent odors, and listening to its sibilant melody. It was her picture gallery, her opera, her spectacle, and being sensible, or perhaps being merely happy, she made the most of it. When harvesting time came and the corn was cut, she had much entertainment in discovering what lay beyond. The town was east, and it chanced that she had never ridden west. So when the rolling hills of this newly beholden land lifted themselves for her contemplation, and the harvest sun, all in an angry and sanguinary glow, sank in the veiled horizon, and at noon a scarf of golden vapor wavered up and down along the earth line, it was as if a new world had been made for her. Sometimes at the coming of a storm, a whiplash of purple cloud, full of electric agility, snapped along the western horizon. "'Oh, you'll see a lot of queer things on these here plains,' her husband said when she spoke to him of these phenomena. "'I guess what you see is the wind.' "'The wind?' cried Flora. "'You can't see the wind, Bart.' "'Now look here, Flora,' returned Bart with benevolent emphasis. "'You're a smart one, but you don't know all I know about this here country.' I've lived here three mortal years waiting for you to get up out of your mother's arms and come out to keep me company, and I know what there is to know. Some things out here is queer. So queer, folks wouldn't believe them unless they saw, and some so pig-headed they don't believe their own eyes. As for the wind, if you lay down flat and squint toward the west, you can see it blowing along near the ground, like a big ribbon. And sometimes it's the color of air, and sometimes it's silver and gold, and sometimes when a storm is coming, it's purple. If you got so tired looking at the wind, why didn't you marry some other girl, Bart, instead of waiting for me? Flora was more interested in the first part of Bart's speech than in the last. Oh, come on, protested Bart, and he picked her up in his arms and jumped her toward the ceiling of the low shack as if she were a little girl. But then, to be sure, she wasn't much more. Of all the things Flora saw when the corn was cut down, nothing interested her so much as a low cottage, something like her own, which lay away in the distance. 
She could not guess how far it might be, because distances are deceiving out there where the altitude is high and the air is as clear as one of those mystic balls of glass in which the sallow mystics of India see the moving shadows of the future. She had not known there were neighbors so near, and she wandered for several days about them before she ventured to say anything to Bart on the subject. Indeed, for some reason which she did not attempt to explain to herself, she felt shy about broaching the matter. Perhaps Bart did not want her to know the people. The thought came to her as naughty thoughts will come, even to the best of persons, that some handsome young men might be batching it out there by themselves, and Bart didn't wish her to make their acquaintance. Bart had flattered her so much that she had actually begun to think herself beautiful, though as a matter of fact she was only a nice little girl with a lot of reddish-brown hair and a bright pair of reddish-brown eyes and a white face. Bart, she ventured one evening as the sun, at its fiercest, rushed toward the great black hollow of the west. Who lives over there in that shack? She turned away from the window where she had been looking at the incarnadined disc, and she thought she saw Bart turn pale. But then her eyes were so blurred with the glory she had been gazing at that she might easily have been mistaken. I say, Bart, why don't you speak? If there's anyone around to associate with, I should think you'd let me have the benefit of their company. It isn't as funny as you think, staying here alone days and days. You ain't getting homesick, be you, sweetheart, cried Bart, putting his arms around her. You ain't getting tired of my society, be you? It took some time to answer this question in a satisfactory manner, but at length Flora was able to return to her original topic. But the shack, Bart, who lives there, anyway? I'm not acquainted with them, said Bart sharply. Ain't them biscuits done, Flora? Then, of course, she grew obstinate. Those biscuits will never be done, Bart, till I know about that house, and why you never spoke of it, and why nobody ever comes down the road from there. Someone lives there, I know, for in the mornings and at night I see the smoke coming out of the chimney. Do you now? cried Bart, opening his eyes and looking at her with unfeigned interest. Well, do you know, sometimes I've fancied I've seen that too. Well, why not? cried Flora, in half-anger. Why shouldn't you? See here, Flora, take them biscuits out and listen to me. There ain't no house there. Hello, I didn't know you'd go for to drop the biscuits. Wait, I'll help you pick em up. By cracky, they're hot, ain't they? What you putting a towel over em for? Well, you set down here on my knees so. Now, you look over at that there house. You see it, don't you? Well, it ain't there. No, I saw it the first week I was out here. I was just half dying thinking of you and wondering why you didn't write. That was the time you was mad at me. So I rode over there one day, looking up company, so to speak, and there wasn't no house there. I spent all one Sunday looking for it. Then I spoke to Jim Geary about it. He laughed and got a little white about the gills, and he said he guessed I'd have to look a good while before I found it. He said that that there shack was an old joke. Why? What? Well, this here's the story he told me. He said a man and his wife came out here to live and put up that there little place. And she was young, you know, and kind of skeery, and she got lonesome. It worked on her and worked on her. And one day she up and killed the baby and her husband and herself. The folks found them and buried them right there on their own ground. Well, about two weeks after that, the house was burned down. Don't know how, tramps maybe. Anyhow, it burned. At least I guess it burned. You guess it burned? Well, it ain't there, you know. But if it burned, the ashes are there. 
All right, girlie, they're there then. Now let's have tea. This they proceeded to do, and were happy and cheerful all evening. That didn't keep Flora from rising at the first flush of dawn and stealing out of the house. She looked away over the west as she went to the barn, and there, dark and firm against the horizon, stood the little house against the pellucid sky of morning. She got on Ginger's back, Ginger being her own yellow bronco, and set off at a hard pace for the house. It didn't appear to come any nearer, but the objects, which had seemed to be beside it, came closer into view, and Flora pressed on, with her mind steeled for anything. But as she approached the poplar windbreak which stood to the north of the house, the little shack waned like a shadow before her. It faded and dimmed before her eyes. She slapped Ginger's flanks and kept him going, and she at last got him up to the spot, but there was nothing there. The bunch grass grew tall and rank, and in the midst of it lay a baby's shoe. Flora thought of picking it up, but something cold in her veins withheld her. Then she grew angry and set Ginger's head toward the place and tried to drive him over it. But the yellow bronco gave one snort of fear, gathered himself in a bunch, and then all tense leaping muscles made for home as only a bronco can. End of The House That Was Not by Elia Wilkinson Petey Revolutionize your commute with SaulGoodBooks.com Just $10 a month for endless ad-free listening. Turn your daily travel into an opportunity to explore fascinating audiobooks. Start your audio journey at SaulGoodBooks.com today. Enrich your mind with sounds of knowledge from SaulGoodBooks.com. Unlock access to a vast library of ad-free audiobooks for only $10 a month. Listen, learn, and grow at SaulGoodBooks.com.